intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Everyone, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers, grandmothers, aunts, friends of the family, and anyone who has been a mentor and resource. Today, I thought it would be fun to celebrate Mother's Day by kind of unpacking some of the motherhood myths that we all deal with. And I am joined by my kids. Olivia is 18 and she is at college in Chicago. So she's joining us from her dorm. And Sam is 14 and is in eighth grade. Welcome, guys. It's great to have you on the architecting show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Yes. One of the things as a mom that was really important to me was to raise you guys to be independent as well as to be critical thinkers. Can you share some stories of times when you've had to be very resourceful and you felt like you knew what to do or at least how to start figuring it out? I mean, I guess whenever I would go up to you and say I was bored, you kind of just said, if you're bored, you're boring. Essentially, you were kind of telling me, well, if you're bored, go and figure out something for you to do. I'm remembering a specific instance rather than a general one. So I, I'm, I'm baking is a hobby of mine. Uh, you both know that. And I remember doing a summer theater one year and uh, wanting to make something for my cast because it was my birthday. And I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the people in the show. I was going to make like sugar cookies and we didn't have enough sugar make anything. And I had a moment where I definitely did like freak out for a bit because I was like, well, that mm, that ruins a lot because a lot of baked goods need sugar. And then I realized we had a bag of brown sugar. And I was like, can you make anything with brown sugar? And I now have a recipe saved for brown sugar, sugar cookies. And it was a very huge hit. And I don't know if I hadn't grown up in an environment that was like one where you had to sort of be resourceful and think of alternate solutions that I would have done that. I think I would have given up. I'm remembering our first road trip vacation, Mm -hmm. and it was the vacation that almost didn't happen. I had blocked the time up on my calendar a few months before because I learned the hard way that if you don't schedule vacations, then other meetings and things start to crowd your calendar, and it becomes harder and harder to take the time off. However, I have been so busy with work that I only realized about a week before when I was looking through my calendar, like I'm on vacation next week and we have nothing planned. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was we can just go up to Cedar Point, which is about maybe three, four hours away and go to the amusement park and go to the beach. And I'm like, want to do that. We've done that a couple of times already. I want to do something fun but I didn't plan anything. And then on top of that, 
I had oral surgery the Friday before we were scheduled to be on vacation. So there were all these things that were kind of saying, don't do it, don't go. But I really wanted you guys to have a chance to experience things and to have fun. I had always wanted to go to Mount Rushmore. And so over that weekend, while I recovered from my surgery, I basically planned a whole trip for us. Hey, that was one of the best vacations we've ever been on. What do you remember about that time? And what did you learn from that process? I did want to ask you while you were telling the story. I was like, oh, that's the North Dakota trip, right? Yeah. yeah. And I recall discussing earlier in that month, I guess, going on a vacation, planning out the time. And this is something that we were going to do. I don't know if until that weekend we had any plans to go anywhere. Uh, the weekend before, I do remember you coming back from, I think you went to like a travel agency or something because there was that, that place nearby and going, I have all of these maps for North Dakota. I want you to like just out on the bed. And it was like, here, look, look at this. Find something you want to do. Go. I look back on that vacation very fondly. It's a good, it's a good one. I do remember this sort of sense where it's like, well, uh, we're doing this, you know, and it was, I don't want to say it felt impulsive because we definitely had planned a vacation, but like we didn't have the details and it ended up being, being very fun because it, it be, because we hadn't planned anything out too much in advance, it ended up being very exploratory. I believe that was also the trip where we stopped in Iowa because they had yeah. the oh, American Pickers. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Because they had the, like the American Pickers place because it was just a road trip. And it's like, oh, yeah, you want to stop there? That seems interesting. Let's do it. I got a lot more out of it than some of the more structured trips I've taken. I remember our first stop was in the Badlands. Mm-hmm. And Sam had so much fun climbing the rocks. Before that, he'd been a really cautious kid. And this kind of unlocked something. What do you remember about all those rocks in the Badlands, Sam? Oh, that was a lot of fun. I think I saw the first one that was kind of low, and so I climbed on that, and then there was another one that was higher, and I'd already done it, and I just kind of kept doing it, and I seem to remember that we went, I don't remember what it was called, it was this big rock cylinder, and we walked around it, and all the way around I climbed on the rocks. That was Devil's Tower, that was it. A- oh, that, yeah. Still, same, same trip though. I love that you had that experience. And I'll never forget this quote that I read once. It was, the mama duckling doesn't try to herd all her ducklings before she heads off. She just goes and they follow her. If she waited and tried to herd up the stragglers, they would never get anywhere because the other little ducks would wander away. And I've always tried to kind of follow that, that I shouldn't overly fuss over you. I should just lead the way and let you follow. And I think the vacation we took the following year had some great examples of that. Arches, we, there was this big, long hiking trail and it was really hot. And I remember we finally made it to the town. I was so excited to be there. I also have a story. I remember it being also if you if you'll pardon my language hot as hell that day and i i'm such a physical person i'm going to art school so hiking is not my thing hiking has never been my thing and on a hot day like that that was the last thing that i wanted to do and i remember going i'm gonna stay here at the beginning of the trail and you two can go ahead and do whatever and then about 10 minutes in i got bored (laughs) 
I remember going, well, okay, I could sit here in the sweltering heat and not see this like beautiful natural wonder, wait for my family to come back. Or I could just head up there late myself and I chose to go up there. I remember meeting like people that were hikers, people on that journey and making that journey. And then finally seeing this arch and having it be so worth it. Having been like, if I had just decided to just go screw it, I don't care. I would have never had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was spectacular. But I think both of those stories, Sam overcoming his fear of doing things and climbing rocks in the badlands and getting pretty high in some of those situations and you overcoming discomfort to have an experience shows how these vacations were really great opportunities for personal growth and to really challenge yourself in ways that you don't get to in normal everyday life. Yeah. So what are some times that you've felt that you really were helped by critical thinking skills that we work on? Because that's been an important focus for our whole family. I remember when you guys were young and we would watch ads, how we would kind of Talk about how they were trying to influence your decisions and what specific things they were doing. Or if we were in stores, how we would kind of evaluate products. And I'm just wondering how you do this on your own. By now, I'm an expert in picking out how every product or ad is trying to psychologically make you want to pay for it. As someone who is being uh, very slowly introduced to uh, being an adult in the world, like I'm having to go shopping for myself and having to evaluate, okay, this thing is potentially a more quality thing, but it costs more. Or this thing is cheaper. It might not be better for you and stuff like that. In addition, I think critical thinking also helps with my major. I'm doing graphic design. And I've always been interested in like stuff like psychology. That is really helpful in in what I'm learning because you know you sort of have to know how people work to know how to how to make things for them. But you have to know like okay, people tend to respond to these things and not other things, and you have to know why. Being able to evaluate stuff like that and know the difference and know what will work not only in general, but for a specific client, I guess we would say for that example, is important and invaluable in the field. Because if you don't know stuff like that, especially if you're doing like advertising stuff, then then it's not going to be a good product. The two of you are very different people. Hmm. And I think you have different ways of navigating the world. So Sam, you're really good at seeing something and saying, I want that. And then figuring out how you're going to get there, especially with things like Boy Scouts or cross country. How do you apply critical thinking and independence as you think about meeting goals? Well, with cross country, I remember at the start of the season, I wasn't very good. But I decided that I was going to have the goal of not walking ever. Because last year I walked quite a bit, you know, take a break, get some breath. During practice? Yeah. Or during a race? During practice, never during a race. But this year I was like, never, ever am I going to walk. And I almost did that. One time I started hurting really, really, really badly during practice. And I had to walk. But that was the only time. 
And now I've set my mind to getting even better, even when we're not in the season. And I've been running home from school almost every day. My goal is to be the best on the team when I come to the high school. Very good. You, as different as you two are, you're both super creative. And how has your creativity kind of unlocked opportunities or insights for you? I guess the first thing is because I've done work in various arts pretty much my entire life. You know, if I haven't been drawing, I've been singing, I've been doing theater. I've I've always been involved in the arts. And so when it came time to do college, I always knew it's like, if I do something like accounting or English, I will be miserable. I just knew that right off the bat. It's like, whatever I do, it's got to be creative. Otherwise I'm not, it's not going to be fulfilling. However, the issue with that also is that a lot of arts majors aren't stable careers because a lot of it is based on public perception and also luck doing theater a lot of the things I heard a lot is that you will have 15 auditions and maybe you'll get called back for one most of them will be rejections and it was a it was almost a risk I guess knowing that doing an art-based career would be difficult but wanting to do it anyway because I could have chose something safe and known that I would have gotten like money and financial stability, but I wouldn't have been happy. I wouldn't have been happy. It wouldn't mean anything to me. And I feel like in something as important to your, to your life as what you, what you do for a living, you know, you want to be enjoying it. It's got to be worth it to you, you know, for, for more than just monetary value. For me, create creativity is like a, a core pillar of my being, I guess. <laughs> it's sort of how I interact with the world is through my creativity. Yeah. And you've kind of explored that a lot of different ways. You're a graphic design major now, but for the longest time, you thought you wanted to do musical theater and you took years of voice lessons. You even took dance lessons at one point to be ready. So how did you make that choice about what was the right direction to go in creative fields? Like I mentioned before, art Careers are hard to do, and it's a commitment. Every Everything's a commitment, but like if you're doing art as a job, then it's a commitment because it's really hard. I always hear the like, I wanted to be an artist, but my parents didn't support me and stuff like that. And so it's becoming more so accepted, but like it's definitely like a, it's, it's a choice that you have to make it and you have to know you want to do it. And when I was doing theater, I, I thought I was ready to get that, but then like things never quite worked out the way I wanted them to be and it would be a disappointment a lot and I started thinking like evaluating what I why I was doing theater in the first place and I realized that what I liked about it I could get from something else that would disappoint me less thought of going through auditions and going through those rejections at the level I was having and you know maybe getting something and having it not be what I wanted to get out of the experience consistently was, you know, it wasn't worth it for me then. If I'm consistently not getting a satisfactory experience out of it, why would I do it? And so I looked at why theater was something I was interested in. And I realized what I love about theater is it's a presentation of a story. It's using storytelling in such a unique way. It's combining visual elements of art and and musical elements of art and the, the written and spoken word to tell a story. And I Loved the storytelling aspect of it. However, I I didn't know if, if being an actor 
in that in that telling of the story was fulfilling for me. And so through that, I started looking at other ways to do stories, to tell stories. I think it was it was senior year. Uh, they have like a, a a day off for the seniors where they can just like fill out applications for for colleges, or they can uh, like shadow people at their jobs. And that day, you brought me into work, and you had set up like people that you worked with or were with firms that you worked with that were graphic designers or writers. And you had me spend part of the day with, with them, follow, like following them around and like learning what they did. Two of them are graphic designers that did slightly different things. And a lot of what they did was using signage, for instance. The way you make a sign depends not only on what the sign is for, but also who, you, who, who is going to be using it. And so even in something as mundane seeming as that, there's a story there. You know, the way that it presents itself, it's like, ah, this is a sign that is used in a children's hospital. This is a sign uh, that's used in, uh, in an office building, you know, and it, it's different and it's changes and like you use different fonts, different colors, different patterns. And I've always been interested in visual art off screen. I have my sketchbook literally right next to me. And so I was like, I can do that. And I very last minute uh, decided to declare my major in graphic design. And I've been pretty happy with it so far. Very cool. Well, I love though how you took something you were so passionate about, which was theater, and then said, well, wait, what is it that I really love? And it wasn't so much the being on stage part. It was the storytelling and the understanding of what would appeal to an audience Well, I like to get a little credit for facilitating putting things in front of you. You had to figure that out and use your own critical thinking to get there. So Sam, I wanted you to talk about the way you use piano because you've been taking lessons a really long time and you love to play. I never have to remind you to practice. But one of the things I notice is that you love to play a song over and over. And you also like to keep varying it, whether it's the tempo or the key that it's in, you keep iterating around a single thing. What is it about that that you find interesting? And how does that maybe help you think about other problems that you have in your life? Because I like this song and I like listening to it but it's tiring to listen to the exact same thing over and over again. I enjoy it. It's very easy to add my own spin onto things, and I can play a lot of notes at the same time, and it allows me to make a lot of complex layers, and I just really enjoy just sitting down and playing the piano. Well, what I see when I watch you play and you know, a lot of people, once they master something, would move on from it. Because they'd be like, all right, got it, next. But you seem to really enjoy going back to something that you've mastered and adding more layers onto it. I see that as a really cool life skill that you understand that things are always evolving and that you're never done There is no finish line and every day is your starting line to make something even better or at least different from how it was before. 
what I do most of the time is I either improvise and like it or I made a mistake and I liked it. So it ended up being better than if I hadn't made the mistake. And I often add a lot more bounce and where there isn't much movement, more movement to a lot of the assigned songs that I played, the ones that I like. I often just go back and play them. And then sometimes that means that I just add more to the song. Sometimes I'm just playing the song again. That experimentation and that idea that you know, something could be something else or that it's okay to play and some things you might like and some things you might not like. Some things might be successful and some things might be failures, but you will never know if you don't take the time to kind of play with it. I love that you just kind of intuitively do that and that you have that desire to tinker and to say, I wonder what would happen if, and you do that a lot with your artwork too. You tend to have a very original approach to things. I remember for the one point perspective in art class, what we were supposed to do is it was essentially 3D shapes going off into a way distant horizon. And so the example she gave for looking up at the top of ridiculously high skyscrapers all around you looking down on pretty much the same thing or you could do like your name like going off into the void and like you can just see like the shapes I was like well how can I take these ideas and make them completely different and so what I did is for my first draft I essentially made a guy's head into a big rectangle that went off into the void, obviously. And then I exploded it. So like an eye was here, his nose was here, his mouth was down here. So they were all the different parts of the face just splitting off. They're here and then you they just go back all the way. And then for my final project, I just decided to make a bunch of faces and this one exploded faces the center, you know, the big thing, the furthest forward that catches your eye. And they're all different faces with different colors and expressions. And then the one that's exploded is getting eaten by an even bigger face than all the others. And it made no sense. It was completely bonkers, but it was super fun to draw. And I came into class excited to work on it. And and I was super happy with it when I was done. That's something I love about your art is that you aren't afraid to go like kind of absurd with it. I've been drawing for years. I've, I've been like using sketchbooks since I was in fourth grade. However, I've always been like the kind of person that draws a subject. You know, I'm going to draw a person. I am going to draw a a landscape scene. And you're like, you know, so I started out and I wanted to draw a face. And then I thought it would be interesting if I did this. So then I did that. And then I added on to it. And it looks a little weird, but I think it's really cool. And I, I really admire that about you. You're much more of a, a, a risk taker. Like, I'm like, if it doesn't turn out the way that I want it to, I just go, ah, well, I guess I have to start over again. But you like have this almost playfulness to the way that you create that I, I am almost envious of. He kind of sees the possibilities as things emerge rather than forcing, well, I started out with this intention and anything that isn't that isn't right. He's yeah. much more open to letting it evolve as he goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I come up with an idea, what I always try and do is incorporate it into what I'm working on as opposed to scrapping it, being like, I'll take that in and add it later or just forgetting about it. Because 
I mean, oftentimes I don't care if my art looks silly and it might even be a positive if it elicits laughter or something. And the more off the wall crazy it is, the more happy I am to put my name on it. All right. I love it. So what is your favorite family memory? I don't know. I have a lot. There's a lot of good ones. One that's coming to me that's good is one of the road trips, the Arches road trip, actually. I think it was when we were driving to Santa Fe and it was like two in the morning uh, and we were driving on the, it was like a state highway. And so it wasn't lit up at all. So we were like in the middle of the desert somewhere, very, very late at night. And you pulled the car over for a bit and we just stopped. There was just a million stars everywhere. And we had that moment together. But all the moments in that trip when we were like in the car were really memorable to me because that was when we started reading Percy Jackson together. And it was having that connection in a way that seemed almost effortless where it wasn't like necessarily what we were doing because what we were doing was main mundane. I was reading a chapter book and you were driving and Sam was, he was listening, you know? It was nothing very special, but it was not the thing itself more that we were together doing it that is one of my favorites that's pretty hard to top i suppose i would always go into your room and lay on the bed and watch you play match three games and then sometimes olive would come in and those really nice moments where we're all just just the three of us hanging out talking about our days or just whatever and just relaxing easing into the night books have always been a big part from when you guys were little i would read to you every night and i would kind of act out those stories i remember fox and socks with all the tongue twisters and having to work through it and then you know you are both such good readers when you read you really even if you've never seen this before, have so much expression and emotion in what you're reading. And I love that you guys have that same investment in the narrative and the characters. I attribute actually a lot of my interest in in the telling of stories and the way that art affects people to you doing that early on and really like making making the story a big deal and always putting effort into telling it and emotion into it. I never learned anything else. All stories, no matter how like simple, have meaning to them. And even before I knew how to read, I was getting that. So uh, I've always uh, been a person that has been very bad at doing things because I'm supposed to. I can sort of remember that a lot with certain developmental skills like reading. I remember not wanting to read almost like out of like a spite almost. But there was a moment where you stopped reading to me because you're like, you need to learn this. And we were in the middle of the Harry Potter books. I believe you were like halfway through the second one and something happened where you were consistently not reading to me. And I was like, well, I guess I will do it myself then. And I've loved reading ever since. That's always been your hallmark is resistance. From when you were a baby, I remember you did not crawl really babies will hold on to things and kind of start walking. You never did any of that. But when you decided you wanted to walk, you walk and you've been like that your whole life where you initially have a resistance to something that takes effort. And then something will just click and you'll decide you want to do it. And then you are unstoppable, honey, you are on fire. 
I think that's a really interesting approach rather than <laughs> Sam and I, who are yeah. more alike in our personalities yeah. and tend to do goal building and modeling. You don't model. You just tend to only act when you are deeply inspired. Yeah. And sometimes it does um, bite me in the ass. Uh, it does because it's if I don't want to do something that I have no motivation to do it and then you can't just do things that you want your entire life however I think because I am like that when I do something I do it from this place of deep passion and it's something I care about and all of the best things that I've made or done have been because I cared about them. People I talk about music with often uh, will hear about my senior capstone paper. I dislike essays, but that is one of the best things I've ever written. Cincinnati has a music festival every year. It's the Bunbury Music Festival. And one of the headlining bands was Fallout Boy, which is one of my favorite bands of all. And I wanted to see them so, so bad. We got like the one day passed for the, for the day that they were performing. And I pretty much showed up specifically Specifically for that band, nobody else. Uh, if you're familiar with the movie Inside Out and the concept of like the core memories that make up like a person, that is one of my core memories is this experience because I'd never, I'd been to concerts before, like I'd even gone to concerts that were like bands that I wanted to go to see, but never had I felt like this connection. It felt like between the band and the audience and the audience and other audience members that we were all connected. This was this similar interest and we were all here for the same thing. Fall Out Boy has been a band for about 18 years, about as long as I've been alive. And there are people who are teenagers my age back in 2001 and like the early 2000s pretty much when they were first popular like kids who got into it like afterwards there was a girl like next to me that was like 14 and definitely knew all the radio hits and was there with her mom and then there were people who were like adults proper adults that grew up with the band and all of these people from these different walks of life all had this common interest and it was something that I even if I had nothing in the same with, with another person there there is this music it just meant so much to me and so when we were told that the final project of the year was to write a research paper on a topic of your choice I was like I need to make it about this it has to be about this I started thinking about what is this the topic I guess I came up with was the way that communities are formed through a shared interest with a specification on music. I uh, am prevalent on Tumblr and a lot of the people that are interested in music on Tumblr reached out to some of them because I wanted to know their experience. I got all these insights on how like as they sort of skyrocketed in popularity and members of the band would frequent the forums and connections you form through through a shared interest like that can be super strong. And I just thought something like that was so special. And I, I really put my whole heart into it. And I, I couldn't I couldn't write something like that, you know? I think you might have a few more good ones in you. Well, <laughs> this has been so much fun to have the two of you as a guest on my show and to really share your own personal thoughts on being independent and following your passion and charting your own path because I'm always saying this to my audience and I love that you two also have kind of absorbed some of that message and put it into practice. So thank you so much, Olivia and Sam. I love you both. Love you too. Bye. I love you. 
so much fun. And I hope you got some great insights into how living your truth influences everyone. Even if you're not a parent, you are a mentor. You are an example. People are watching you. And when you can help people do what lights them up, makes them the person they were always meant to be, then you have done your job. If you are looking for more resources in building your own mentoring skills or getting coached on how to better see the potential in others, I am always here for you. Go to architectingpodcast.com and you can see free resources, as well as really great one-on-one coaching programs where I can work directly with you on specific things you really want to develop. And I have a whole range of them, so they will hit any price point or coaching need. Until next time, stay inspired. (laughs)